Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Electric Underground podcast, now with some video elements. Joining me today are the developers of Shieldmade MX, Mikhail and Hans. Welcome to the show, my dudes. Thanks a lot. Hello. Thanks for having us. And for those who do not know, you guys have some history even before this episode that you're reminding me of where you guys were on the Kane and Rinse podcast quite a long time ago. And uh, I know Mikhail's been a long time listener to the podcast, which is always really cool. Yeah, for sure. Can't believe I'm on it this time for the uh, first time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, is, is, that there, a weird is there going to be a... Yeah, is there going to be a sound, SoundCloud upload? There's going to be on Spotify now. I, ah, moved, wow. I moved from uh, SoundCloud to Spotify because SoundCloud took so much freaking money out of my right. pocket for their hosting fees. And basically, they're not the a world. great platform for podcasts. And Spotify is free. Yeah. So I moved the... You will be That's on cool. Spotify, the new era. You're p- part of the new era of the podcast on Spotify and whatever else I wow. can get it on there. Yeah. Feeling like a Zoomer here. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And so I wanted to get a little bit of a background on you two as developers before making this game, kind of how you came into it. Yeah, shall I take it or do you want to take it, Hans? Go ahead, Mikhail. You you go ahead, I'll uh, comment on it later. (laughs) Yeah, so I'll keep it really short. Uh, I was working at Nintendo of Europe in an online content um, sort of uh, profession, and there I met Hans. Uh, I'm Dutch, he's German. And um, yeah, we uh, hit it off really well, especially we're playing a lot of fighting games together and we, we stayed friends. And at one point I just got this stupid idea, like I want to start a game development venture. And uh, I shared my idea with Hans and he was uh, on board, which was good because I don't have any programming skills and he has. I there just have go. a lot of ideas, you know, I'm the idea <laughs> yeah. guy uh, between nice. the two of us. <laughs> Yeah, so we, we started working together and it was really fun. Um, you know, it's it's a, yeah, it, it sounds a bit schmaltzy, but it's kind of like a journey of discovery, you know, like you, before, when you're just a player of video games and you just love them, uh, it you start looking at them uh, quite naturally in a very different way once you start making them yourself and, um, or attempting to at first, at least. And yeah, it's this thing where, first of all, you start to realize how, incredibly multidisciplinary making a video game is you got people that need to write music mm-hmm. for it you got people that make graphics you got people such as myself that sort of create the general rule set and the uh like say the the, the lead overall design and maybe write some story lore some some background lore for it um you got people of course that have to do the programming and you know 2d art all that stuff so it's really quite a miracle how a project like that has to come together and you know especially since we are working with a, a bit of a team not it's not just one person doing everything and make it all something cohesive in the end as well so yeah we did that since we, i think we started uh, dabbling in 2000, 2013 or something uh, we were yeah experimenting with doing some rts stuff and infusing them with arcade uh, game elements uh, but it never really we never really got far and these projects really started becoming um, way too overgrown and bloated and, and ambitious. Right. <laughs> and then um, I think it was last year, right? Yeah, last year uh, we yep. had this uh, 
yeah, Hans was working on uh, on some some prototypes and some some movement in uh, Unity, and uh, we had the idea. Okay, let's try to make a, a very simple kind of shmup in this uh, in in this uh, field. And the the thing is, I never wanted to make a shmup because I thought the likes of Cave and Treasure and GREF had already sort of hemmed up the genre. Like, okay, right. these guys are masters at it. I'm not going to touch that. You know, I love I love shoot 'em up games, but I'm not going to touch that because they already have so many years of experience and are so far ahead. But I always had this little idea in the back of my mind, um, yeah, which formed the core mechanic of what Shieldmade is. Only it was very rudimentary and it was a little bit undercooked. But we just decided to go for it, and yeah, that's how Shieldmade turned out. Um, because I I didn't have that knowledge that that Michiel has that in-depth knowledge about shmups. Uh, that's why I didn't have those reservations. I just went ahead and, and made something, and that's where right. it came from. <laughs> yeah. 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 <clears throat> yeah, it is kind of funny yeah. where it's like if you're really casual into the genre of shmups, you can kind of uh, sort of underestimate their complexity and be like, oh, you know, isn't that like mm. baby's first game is a shmup? And then yeah. if you're really deep into the genre of shmups, you're like, oh, this is way too, this is way too much to handle. I'd rather just yeah. make something easy like a platformer or something. It, it's just yeah. funny depending on your sort of view of the genre. Because I remember when I was learning a little bit about just game devving on Game Maker a long time ago. Like, all the tutorials were like, easy first game, and it's some dude making, like, an Asteroids-type thing, you know? Like, You're right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the thing there is... There probably you... are no really easy to make games for, for any genre, right? As, right? as soon as you get into it, uh, complexity emerges from, <laughs> yes. from all sides. That's just how it goes. That's, that's why I was not very intimidated uh, by, by shmups because I didn't have that deep knowledge, right? Now I have a lot more knowledge and of course that also helps me to appreciate what's already there and yeah, all those masterful games that, that already do exist. Yeah, yeah so I yeah. wanted to ask, kind of get a timeline of when Shieldmade began and like the, the time scale here because it feels like it was pretty pretty quick but I may be off there. Yeah. No, you're right. It, it, it was pretty quick. Um, as Michiel said, it started out with a, with a small prototype. I just had this idea of um, making a certain type of character movement thing in Unity. It had nothing to do with shmups. And then I thought, hey, this would lend itself well to, to a shmup. And then I just built this, this uh, super crude uh, prototype. Um, that really had no no gameplay whatsoever. But once we saw that and we t started talking about shmups a little bit, that's when Michiel's ideas that he had already cultivated earlier came into that. And that was, yeah, it was uh, last year, right? Um, so yeah. it, it was pretty quick to, to come together. But of course, that um, the current situation of the world also played into that a lot. Like, all of a sudden... Everybody had much more free time, right? Yeah, uh, to to work on quote unquote hobby projects. Yeah, uh, which was not the case before. You know, we, we work in full time jobs, mm. um, and that really didn't give us much space to to develop games. Um, but as soon as we, you know, got that sudden influx of spare time, uh, yeah. all all of a sudden we we did have time to to work on something more than just a hobby. You know, yeah. yeah. And it really made all the difference that uh, once we put my idea into the prototype, and it was immediately fun from the beginning. That's and, a good time. And 
it, it, that it was even without any kinds of stage design. So let me walk it back a little bit. Like the idea I originally had was uh, I've always been fascinated with um, the uh, Super Nintendo version of uh, uh, Area 88 or UN Squadron with that mm -hmm. weird funky health system they have in there, you know? <laughs> yes. Like it has that, like you get hit, then you enter danger mode. If you get hit again during danger mode, you die. But if you uh, survive through that, then you uh, can continue on with a diminished health bar, that thing. And I was, I, I had this idea like, all right, maybe, sh you know, what if there was a shoot 'em up where you, where the um, aim is to get hit, so you enter a brief invulnerability period that carries you through like uh, unsurvivable situations. Otherwise, it was real. Uh, Puzzle-like almost, you know, Ikaruga-like. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's a very unique concept because, like, that's, yeah. that sort of idea I don't think's ever really been done in a shmup as far as, like, getting, like, you want to get hit to activate these uh, sort of, like, hyper shield mode thing. Like, yeah, that's a very exactly. unique idea. I've never come across that before. Yeah, and so the, the whole thing was, okay, so you want to get hit to get a brief invisibility period, like iframes or whatever. Uh, and, um, and then afterwards, you have to deal with the danger period that comes afterward that makes you extra vulnerable before you can recover again. Um, but I think, and then I was, I had these images in my mind of like impenetrable laser barriers that force you to get hit by a bullet so you could pass through the laser barriers, you know? Mm -hmm. But I, I, it was just so rudimentary. I thought like, okay, well, is there all that that's is, is that all that there is to it? So it never, I never really flesh it out beyond that. Like I have a whole like file with all sorts of game concepts. Uh, so I just left it there. But then we tried to work with that again and sort of without really fleshing it out further, build on it. So the invincibility period or the iframes became an actual shield. So then, you know, um, it becomes the cycle of going through shield, danger, and a neutral state again, like these three shifting dynamics and once mm. we had that in there that was all already yeah that was already quite a lot of fun and then you know we started incorporating incorporating the bullet uh, absorption mechanic to power up your ship with rather than having floating uh, power up icons on right. screen yes and uh, then we started um, what what if you if there would be a way to extend your shield time like uh, you know then the whole chaining like shield chaining uh, uh, thing so it, it started layering on and on and on and on and then at one point also we had this whole thing like, okay okay now your ship is in max power but what do you do why you don't have any reasons to absorb more bullets anymore so then we uh, had the max power state or the the golden bullets uh, so it became more score driven the game uh, the gameplay as well and even without having any sort of um stage designs really built around it we just had some random zako crypt from nes gradius uh in there even without that it was already just really fun you know that's sh constantly shifting dynamic all the time which depending on how you manage it makes uh stages quite different from you know, depending on your actions, like where are you? Are you in neutral right now? Are you in shield state right now? Are you in danger state right mm -hmm. now? I yeah. can definitely share some some videos of that first prototypes with you. There, they're really funny to look oh, at. Oh yeah, definitely. I'll I'll clip them into right like this conversation. Yeah. What yeah. it kind of reminds me of, I've been thinking about it all day. Is it kind of reminds me a bit of 
if you combined chaining in Dodonpachi with like hyper, so you mm. you because when you're when you're in your shield and you keep the chain going, it like keeps your hyper going. So it'd be like if yeah. you're playing Dodonpachi and you could just extend your hyper by continuing to chain. And I thought right. that's a really cool idea. Then I thought, yeah. why hasn't anyone really done this before? Because that seems like a really cool idea. Like keep yeah. that hyper going by keeping the chain alive. Yeah, man, I'd, I'd love, I'd love for our game to inspire other developers in turn again, and they start, you know, running with that as well. Um, I was watching Twilight EX stream the game recently, and uh, he he had some really smart remarks as well. He said like, you know, usually chaining is just reserved for score only, but in this game, chaining keeps you alive, and that's yeah, also a that's crucial difference. That's, I think that's a big deal. Yeah, like there's some, there's a lot to that. That it's kind of like a puzzle piece in that equation of chaining for survival versus chaining for score. Where in stuff like Dodonpachi, chaining for score is almost always opposing survival because it's always more dangerous. But in yeah. this game, it kind of combines it together, where you want to chain for score, but it also keeps you alive. It's yeah. a really cool co combination. Yeah, and I, I personally really like it when scoring and uh, survival go kind of hand in hand. You know. Yes. Like up to a certain degree, and then you need there need to be that risk factor. Like, okay, how do you really want to push it to mm -hmm. really retain, uh, attain, obtain the ridiculous scores? Yes, and I'm just waiting for as the game gets more explored for like the wild uh, strategies and maneuvers mm. to come out, which I'm sure they will. Yeah. Or someone we finds got some, some really crazy, crazy players already setups or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we got some because. Um, one thing we we're, we're very lucky with, I mean, there's the whole music aspect as well. Like when we got, I always wanted to work together with Ed of uh, Bullet Heaven because I loved uh, what he did musically. So we got him very early on as well. And his music was so good that we wanted to step up the graphics for the game as well. That's why we went kind of all out there as well. Um, yeah. Before it was supposed to be a real simple mini game, you know? And um, yeah, then we... Fairly early on, got people into tests as well, ranging from just friends to more uh, seasoned shoot-em-up players to complete newbies, you know, like mm -hmm. a, a fairly big mix of people. And some people in our group of testers got really obsessed with the game and really into it and really into the scoring, especially one player called, uh, called Steak Eater, who is topping all the leaderboards uh, currently still. Uh, <laughs> he's just... And, and like, by an uh, extremely wide margin. Extremely wide march, yeah, and he yeah. he pretty much uh, has like these ridiculous high level tactics of where he leaves all the enemies that fire bullets at you alive as far as he you know as far as that's possible, uh -huh. and then only chain kills the enemies that fire missiles or lasers, right. for example. You know, Starts milking sort of them and stuff. Exactly. So he just he's, when you see him play, you just see all, it's like his ship is a magnet that attracts all the aimed bullets on screen and uh, he just <laughs> sits in certain spaces and he spawn kills like the uh, suicide bullet Zako so that he can eat up all the three bullets that fly in three different directions all at once before they fly off and and that's that sort of thing so yeah that but to get there that takes actual stage memorization yeah you know, survival wise it's not super memo-heavy our game is, but once you get into that sort of scoring level, yeah, it uh, takes a lot of memorization. Right. Yeah, when I was playing it for survival, it didn't feel too strict as far as you needing to totally memorize the game, which is no. pretty impressive because when you go for that older styles, you know, this is kind of like a hybrid, definitely, 
but yeah, it, does, sure. it does still have some older style stage and level design. And a lot of those games are just very memorization heavy, like Blazing Star, R-Types, and all those types of things. Like, you just kind of need to know what's happening. Yeah. Otherwise, some yeah, bullet's yeah. going to spawn on top of your head. I've been trying to uh, get a clear on Gradius 5, and that's super memorization <laughs> yes, heavy. exactly. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely tried to um, keep the difficulty a bit lower for survival purposes. But then up it uh, if you want to if you want to score well. So for example, for for all the boss fights, the the shared concept between all of them is killing the boss is not that hard, but yeah. killing the boss with an active shield, which nets you the multiplier for the boss kill, which is super important for scoring, is kind of hard because you have a, a limited amount of uh, cannons on the bosses that shoot uh, bullets that you can activate your shield off. Yeah. For most of them, they have like three cannons. That means you have three shield activations. And if you if you waste them too early and then you lose your shield before you kill the boss, you're not getting that fat multiplied score. But oh, just getting the kill is not that hard. Yeah. Once you figure it out, the, the yeah, real big course. bosses in the game might throw you for a bit of a loop when you first uh, have to fight them, but once you figure them out, they're not that hard to kill. Yeah, and I was going to ask you a bit about, have you found any sort of uh, crazy milking issues with bosses? Like, has the meta gotten to where people are like milking the bosses a bunch, or is it more desirable to speed kill them, or yeah, anything it's, like it's... that cropped up during your testing? Yeah, a lot of that, you know? That's what, why it was so good that we had testers like that early on. And also seeing somebody like Stake Eater sort of really develop this high-level meta early on has allowed us to already balance the game on that level fairly early on as well. Right. Uh, which goes for milking. So we've many times we had to sort of put in countermeasures in the game to stop excessive milking. Right. Because milking is fun to a certain extent, but you don't want the game to completely slow down to a grinding halt uh, because of it, right? Exactly. So, so, so there is room to milk, but you have to sort of optimize your milking in the time that you have to kill them. With the regular end-of-stage bosses, for example, the timeout with the, the mini-bosses and then the, the big bosses. Yeah, like Hans said, there's just so much you can milk from them because every time you activate a shield, you destroy with the shield counter uh, mechanic that's in there. You destroy the cannon that fired those bullets. So yeah, you just have to really optimize it there as well. And I was reading through the wiki and it said something about rank. Is there, how does the rank in the game work exactly? Yeah, there's uh, there's rank. Initially we didn't have it, but um, I also came to the conclusion that uh, shooter maps without rank often can become quite dull and static, you know? Like mm -hmm. it's just, okay, the set difficulty, that's it. And nothing ever changes uh, in, the, in the stages. So it's, uh, it's not too crazy we're not talking garega levels here <laughs> uh it's just like and and for me i think rank is really important but uh from a balancing perspective i think it's also important that you don't go full yagawa and make the rank only rise i think it needs to go two ways it needs to ensure that uh, as a player you have always a, a certain amount of friction in the game that's right for you if you do really well if you just don't die the game needs to throw you more of a challenge, right? Because you can mm -hmm. obviously handle it. But if you lose a lot of lives, the game should also go a little bit easier on you. So what happens is it's really simple. During a stage, the rank can never go up. It's it's just clocks. Okay, you, did you 
complete the stage without uh, with a no miss, then the rank will uh, go up by um, a difficulty factor of two. But if you die during a stage, the rank can actually go down during a stage. And mm. every time you die, it drops by one level. So if you have a decent run going on, the rank will definitely increase. But yeah, like a couple of deaths during the stage can also quite significantly lower it again. Yeah, we also uh, balance it differently for the different modes. So for the for Jäger mode, which is kind of the, the beginner mode, the easy mode, um, rank uh, can go down to negative values actually so you start out with uh, was it five lives yeah and if you if you, every time you lose a life it'll go down so you can go to like 80 percent rank or something whereas in the in the later mode in krieger mode which is like the arcade mode or normal normal difficulty mode it can never go down uh, below the the initial uh, values right and then there's for example there's chimera mode which is not hard mode, it's like an arranged, completely different. You have this this overpowered ship, um, but no no uh, extents. Um, rank will only rise by definition because, uh, well, once you die, your game over. That's cool. That's a cool idea. And yeah, rank uh, influences certain factors like uh, cooldown on enemies firing, so they will start firing faster volleys of bullets at you, uh, bullet speed, uh, enemy. Uh, movement speed will be affected. Uh, enemy HP as well, uh, but that's sh for obvious reasons uh, gets just incrementally higher. It doesn't right. really rise that much, even at max max rank. You know, just enough so you you don't just one shot everything at one point. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this map map scroll speed also. Uh, that's increases. true. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. So the, the game so can can the become game literally fast. goes faster. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I've you'll, no, you'll notice because you start at be... a higher rank. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, I was gonna say I've always wondered if that could be sort of an interesting speed run mechanic because everyone always talks about oh shmups, they ooh. suck because you can't speed run them or whatever. You know, like more normal people. And I always thought yeah. like, wouldn't it be interesting if I think they kind of did this a little bit with uh, the zero ranger arrange, but. Wouldn't it be interesting if you had a shmup where, as the rank goes up, the the game actually goes faster? And it sounds like that's yeah. what your game does. It starts going faster. A little bit, yeah, definitely. That yeah. would be interesting. You'll notice a difference in scroll speed because uh, Chimera mode starts at a higher rank. If you just play the first stage of Jaeger mode, it's all fairly lethargic. And then if you jump into Chimera mode, you'll definitely notice that like, yeah, yeah, things <laughs> are definitely game. moving faster here. <laughs> so what I wanted yeah. to ask about too is your guys' loop system in the game. Because I thought that was pretty interesting and unique. And I didn't feel like I fully understood how the loop mm. system worked. Yeah. Yeah, the thing was we wanted to, instead of working on a, a project for years and years, we wanted to uh, release something we could... Uh, or make something we could release fairly fairly quickly so we just thought like okay let's just do three stages and initially i wanted to go full on early 80s old school arcade like like donkey kong like just three four stages oh, yeah. that loop endlessly and there would actually be no end to the game and we walked back quite quite a lot from that uh initially you know lots of discussions with hans and uh, with a lot of our testers and i i had to uh i had to uh you know, I had to compromise there, or I had to, yeah, admit that it yeah. was probably better to have 
uh, other than your, your opinion, modes. your opinion was objectively wrong. And exactly, sorry, your opinion's Let's... wrong. Yes, please, no, no more infinitely looping shmups for everyone's sanity. Yeah. Because then you're gonna have yeah. some poor snake eater type guy sitting there for 12 hours, like, oh yeah. my god, <laughs> it's just right, a test right. of endurance by the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so the loop system, it, we still had these sort of three visual stage themes, right? But mm -hmm. uh, and what it comes down now is that you have to play three loops of those three stages, so nine stages in total. Uh, but every loop is. I mean, the stages ha use sort of similar visual assets, but they introduce new enemies, and the layouts are quite significantly different. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it it a loop is it. They're pretty much nine unique stages, only reusing assets or it's, reusing vi visual themes at least. You know what it kind also, of reminds me of a bit is like Cho Run Sha, but a little bit more. You know how like Cho Run Sha mm -hmm. has like one stage, like yeah, one continuous stage. Yeah. yeah well, it's yeah. like one background basically and then it just uses but they're like yeah. different enemy patterns and stuff yeah exactly but yeah i always thought like what if cho and shaw had like three different ones instead of having to do just the one so i think yeah. it was good that you like varied a little bit and that was interesting when i was playing and sort of just going through the loops because i did kind of lose track of like okay what stage is what and where but it didn't feel weird it, it felt like mm. it felt natural in a in a way that was hard to explain like it didn't feel like you're playing through the same stages at all but it also didn't yeah. feel like it was uh all that clear what stages were what because you know in some shmups like like in uh dodonpachi for example like the backgrounds of the stages are so different from one another it's like okay now it's very yeah, yeah. clear what stage you're on so yeah yeah and if you go back to those old school horries that uh, we pretty much modeled the base design of um, you know, like your gradiuses and your R-types, of course, every mm -hmm. stage had a very clear visual identity there. Some of them, yeah, though, it, like Life Force. I mean, it's like, eh, you know, you're in some <laughs> kind of body of some type. You know, I can't remember what stage is what in that game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Another yeah. thing we, we started doing with the loops um, that was a bit later into testing. So at first we had uh, five loops. And then we cut down the game a bit for for length. You know, we didn't want to ha a single session to be like over an hour long. <laughs> um, so we decided to reduce it to three loops. But what you can then do is, uh, if you're playing well enough, you can choose which loop to go to. You so you can go one, two, three, and then face the last boss, or you can go one, three, four, or one, three, five, or uh, mm. one, two, four. Um, so there's hidden so what, loops. Yeah. It, basi basically, yes. So what you That's need to cool. do is, yeah, when, when you when you kill the mini boss of the third stage with an active golden shield, you get two portals to choose from, and so you can basically skip a loop, which nets you uh, a higher um, multiplier bonus as well. Oh, and of course, the, so that's yeah, the, the reason for the portal system at the end mm -hmm. of the stage. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, and that's cool. loop, loops four and five are quite a bit harder than if you just go one, two, three. Yeah, so you can but even make the, the scoring easy potential is higher as well. Yeah. yeah, so even the easy mode you can make quite spicy if you start skipping to the higher loops. Loop five in Jaeger mode is uh, is pretty challenging. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I did find the game nice and challenging. Like I wasn't just sitting there breezing through it, you know, just uh, yep. snoring my way through. No, I felt like okay, this game's this game's cooking. This game's moving. This game's got <laughs> some legs under it. 
which uh, yeah. I really appreciate it a lot because when I play horizontal shmups, sometimes they can be real rough experiences for me because it just feels like you're just floating around. You're like, all right, any mm. day now. And I have this sort of test that I do where I just leave the ship in the middle of the screen and I just hold the fire button. And I'm like, okay, if I can get away with this for more than like three or four seconds, that's a problem. But yeah. uh, not so, not in the case of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, I was moving around constantly. And especially since you were always chasing after trying to keep that chain going and trying to yeah, point yeah. blank everything as it appears on screen. Yeah, and you've mainly nice. played with the, with the Wyvern ship as well, right? With the yep. red ship. Yes, yeah. that's so that, that is actually the expert ship that forces you to chase a lot around the screen. Yes, I so like the other to two play ships have homing uh, missiles and they allow you to sort of choose your position on the screen a little bit more because you can just let your homing missiles do a lot of the work. But yeah. you're still going to be chasing after missiles, of course, uh, yeah. after <laughs> after bullets. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think the lasers help break it up too because if you're hanging out in the middle of the screen, you're going to get hit in the face with a laser pretty quick. Yeah, that's the whole thing. I had this whole sort of dynamic in mind, like, uh, okay, you've got a shield now, so bullets are a lot of the time no longer an issue. So you there needs there needs to be other things that threaten you. So lasers have interact with your shield in that you don't if you fly through a laser with your shield, you won't die, but it will sap your mm -hmm. shield duration uh, quite significantly. But even even you know there's a grace period after your shield expires, so it will never happen that even if your shield is almost expired, you fly through a laser, you won't die because you're, uh, oh, you have some iframes after your shield expires. So you can shield through through lasers if you have to, but of course you don't want to let them uh you know uh have them lose your shield if you don't if it's not necessary yeah un unless of course you're stake eater and you intentionally lose your shield to get better chains later on which is quite cool as well <laughs> right yeah, yeah. yeah and um, has he developed any sort of suicide strats yet or is that a thing at this point not su not suicide strats but losing shield intentionally uh to lasers that's the thing yeah i could see that yeah I could yeah. see as I was playing, like, oh, there's a lot of juice here for all kinds of crazy routing strategies once you get your hands on the uh, on the mechanic. And I did appreciate, speaking of the shield, I did a little test to see, okay, one thing I could see as an issue would be if uh, you're playing really aggressively and your shield runs out and then your shield, like, turns off and then one frame later you're dead because you no know, yeah. bullet hits you and you're trying to absorb it. So I think the game <laughs> no, did a really good job preventing whole, that from There's happening. a whole second there uh, yeah. where you still can't die to bullets after the shield expires. Yeah, that was yeah. a You don't a want people choice. to be in the middle of a cloud of bullets and then get washed, right? Like, exactly. That was one yeah. of my fears when I was looking at the mechanic. Like, oh, I wonder if it's going to be where you need to... You know, like, Grega, when you respawn in Grega, you got, like, barely any time to do anything because your invul just goes right out the window so yep. i was glad that had that nice invul when invulnerability window yeah and all, all of that you know really came from i think yeah the, the the base of the game was there fairly early already but throughout we've done a long alpha testing period and a long beta testing period so all of that really got fine-tuned and added on and, and iterated. Uh, I mean, all the yeah. people that have helped us to test the game were such big helps, you know? Even when, when you're talking about the pacing of the stages, those stages used to be twice as long and there used to be a lot more dead time in them, uh, which I had, you know, consciously designed that way. So you have some sort of um, intense periods and then some a little bit of downtime to cool off. 
but the game was just way too long. The stages was were way too long. Mm-hmm. But I, I as the creator, as the, as the designer of the stages, were just was just super happy with what I made. So I didn't want to hear that those stages were too long because I wanted everybody <laughs> to play them. Damn it! I wanted everybody to play yes. what I made. So it, you know, then you get people saying, "Yeah, yeah, those stages are too long." And yeah, at, at one point, you know, you get over your defensive reactions. And yeah, I mean, that might be right here. So we we needed some time off. I think we needed some Yeah, I, I think the testers were definitely helpful for that. And I yeah. think and every it's, it's, a thing, it's a criticism that I probably would have. Right. Yeah, and it's a criticism that I probably would have had as well if I had played somebody else's game. But it's very hard not to be biased about what you yes, make once you exactly. you do something yourself. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And uh, I think one thing about shmups on that uh, topic, on the idea of like, you know, you want cool down time and like intense period of time is that in the world of shmups, like that time is so much smaller than you would find in another genre because the, yeah. the pacing of the genre is so fast. So like literally like three seconds is like, that's a good rest. Like one, two, three. All right, let's play now. Like yeah. where you see like a lot of, like newer shmups or like people's first attempts at shmups like they'll give you like 10 seconds you're like okay this is out of out of hand here yeah yeah exactly you get into zeroing uh kind of territory yes exactly so i think yeah like all and all that stuff is so hard to pin like you're saying to pin down on your own that's why having an active group of testers yelling at you constantly is definitely the way to go yeah it really helps a lot and they were yelling yeah Yeah. (laughs) That calling you on the phone. <laughs> this is out of control. <laughs> yeah, exactly. we, we we had we had some super intense and long discussions with uh, a couple of our core testers. Like almost every week, we we talk to them for literally hours uh, on our Discord, and a lot of like the the very fine details do stem from from those discussions, which were all you know super friendly. But still, everybody had their opinions and yeah. uh, wanted them uh, see implemented. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Things got very heated uh, when the barrel roll. Barrel oh, roll oh yes, the, the barrel roll the discussion. We must discuss the barrel roll. <laughs> yeah. So the whole I idea felt like when the... I was going through the review, like I did my review and then I watched back, I was like, "Wow, I talked about that barrel roll a lot." <laughs> I didn't realize yeah. how much I was talking about the barrel roll. And, uh, and I was watching the review today with my kids, and my son was saying, yeah, daddy, he's got a point about that barrel roll. <laughs> I kind of agree with him, he said. So I, I was like, oh, no, now I have to explain everything again to my son. <laughs> like, why the barrel roll is the way that it is? Well, I guess the, the we're kind of joking about this on Discord. The, the solution is you can make, like, the Mark MSX arrange where, like, you zoom it in, and then you have this beefy barrel roll. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. Like, just to, ba- just bouncing to get the off, uh, bouncing off laces like like Star Fox. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but let's let's learn about the barrel roll because I'm very curious. So what's this? What's the story behind it? Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's actually not <laughs> not that interesting. I think, but uh, <laughs> what what came of it is interesting. So at first, it was just there for visual flair. You know, it it had no gameplay uh, implications whatsoever. It was just something that uh, our graphics guy made. Um, and the, uh, basically it was him and me that wanted the barrel roll to be in the game just yeah. so you have something to do while you don't have anything else to do <laughs> right, right. Which, which, comes, which comes back to what you said you know those three seconds of, of downtime between enemy waves or something like that 
where you just stare at the screen and wait for the game to continue, right? That's that's boring, obviously. Yes. But sometimes it needs to be there to, to give you a little breather. And just to give the player anything to do there, we said, yeah, okay, you can barrel your ship. It doesn't do anything, it just looks cool, and that's it. Yeah. And um, yeah, as soon as the, uh, our testers got the, got their hands on on the on the version with the barrel roll, they said, "Okay, this is shit. This doesn't do anything. Uh, <laughs> we we, we, ha we hate it. We hate it. Please, <laughs> please do something." And yeah, we we uh, implemented a lot of versions of you know um, the uh, the first thing that everybody says is, "Yeah, like, just uh, give it iframes, so it's like a." A dash or something, but that really didn't feel to, didn't feel right with the with the rest of the game. So we tried different things. We tried so many things. We tried different input methods. We had a version at some point, uh, Michiel. What exactly was it? Like you you drop your option when you barrel roll, and then you need to collect it again and things <laughs> <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> all, all sorts of craziness um but yeah then we we tried this version uh, that is in the game now where it throws off the the homing missiles and the tracking lasers and it's not really important uh towards the beginning of the game but then when you get to the later stages uh it it really is uh, there is some balancing around the barrel roll yeah, in the definitely. later stages yeah yeah. definitely you need it for to survive some bosses and, and some fights mm. Yeah. Um, but still, yeah, I mean, I, I can see where you totally see where you, you're coming from uh, in your review talking about that it feels a bit undercooked. Um, but the thing is, as soon as we cooked it some more, it, it detracted from the core mechanic of the game, which is, of course, the, the shield mechanic. Right. Um, which is why we tried a lot of things and always went back to the current implementation because it just didn't fit. And it was, it was something else that you had to focus on. And, uh, yeah, basically distracted your focus away from what you should be really focusing on, which is, of course, shielding and chaining. Well, I, I've been thinking about this and I had, you know, some different ideas what you could do with it. There's actually a, a really simple solution to it that might be a little bit underwhelming. But what you could do is you could integrate the barrel roll into the actual movement and have it be a bit of visual flair. I think Zero Ranger has something like this where like you're going left and right, left and right. And then every now and then like your sprite will like do a barrel roll just visually <laughs> by just itself. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just to be we, cool. We, we, did, we did that. Okay. <laughs> we, but then the testers are that. like, bring back the barrel roll. <laughs> we need it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it felt weird uh, just to, to control because sometimes your ship would do that and then <laughs> you didn't like... know exactly why <laughs> yeah uh, oh man we've we've gone through so many versions oh of my this. gosh you cannot <laughs> escape the barrel roll no but, you can't no, 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 no. but it's <laughs> a it's a it's a good lesson for uh for our next project you know like okay you know the people it, want the like the next project you're just barrel rolling constantly <laughs> it's like the whole game is about a barrel roll yeah yeah, this this game was about the shield. The next game is about the barrel roll. Yeah, <laughs> yeah barrel yeah. barrel might here we come. Yeah, <laughs> barrel might. Yeah, yeah. Now it's it's also this thing like it was never in my design docs, but I also feel like developing a game should be fun. So I let uh, Hans and the uh, our graphics man have their fun with the barrel <laughs> roll. You know, I wasn't really opposed to it, but then it became this thing. 
you know, it became larger than life, the whole barrel roll things, which is why it was so funny that it came back in your review again in such yeah, a big definitely. way. I think, I think 50, 50% of the, of the discussions on our Discord yeah. was barrel roll. Well, uh, yeah. I, I think it was an unfortunate pairing because I'm such a Star Fox fan that, you know, as soon as I saw a barrel roll, my eyes lit up. Yeah, like, which, is, oh, which is, of shit. course, where it comes from. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not to put yeah, out an I idea, because mean, I, mean, I do want to actually do kind of want to keep this idea to myself but yet i'm sharing it with the internet but if anyone uses this in their game know that yeah. they might have stolen it from me but i've been really thinking about not in house of bullets but in the next shmup i make making a taunt mechanic be sort of like the central focus of the game like devil may cry nice. where you like That's chain cool. and then you do like these taunts and stuff so i thought yeah. you know wouldn't shmups be interesting with a taunt mechanic and it almost feels like that yeah. barrel roll is sort of in that line of like, yeah. it could be like this taunt mechanic because thing. You're, because you're styling on people, right? Yes, exactly. Roll. Right. Yeah. 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 But, but that's if anyone also makes a shmup with a taunt mechanic, I'm going to be annoyed because I've been thinking about that for <laughs> a year now. Isn't that one of our topics as well? Like, you know, bringing in influences from other games yes, or other absolutely. genres into shmups. Yeah. But before we get there, there is one other thing I definitely wanted to cover which is, and this might be a little bit more up Hans's alley, which is the decision to go with Unity, like, mm. and the pros yeah. of Unity, because I am seeing more and more shmups using Unity, and I'm like, wait a minute here, is this like, is this the way to go? So I was really curious, just why Unity? What's the strengths of Unity, specifically in the shmup genre? Because I know it's like amazing for other stuff, but I mean, specifically for shmups. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting discussion. So the the reason why we're using Unity basically just comes down to my my personal history with it. So w way back, um, fifteen years back or so, um, I was uh, I was modding some games. Um, I was playing a lot of uh, Command and Conquer Generals with a couple of friends, and we, then we started modding that game because it, it got boring to us. And um, I I have all. I've always uh, dabbled with with uh, like level editors and, and modding and stuff like that. But then, when it came to <clears throat> me wanting to learn how to actually make uh, a game from scratch by myself, um, I started looking for for options. Uh, the first thing I started out with was uh, XNA. It was an old uh, Microsoft uh, game gaming. Framework. Uh, I wouldn't even call it an engine. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, Unity just came out. I, I I started using Unity during the Unity 2 beta. I think that was like 12, 13 years ago, maybe. Holy and smokes! Back, yeah, and back in those days, um, there just weren't that many options, you know. And Unity was new, uh, and was like the hot thing to to use. That was. You know, there, there was no free Unreal Engine or Godot or, or things like that, like like you have today. Um, so there really wasn't that much of a choice back in those days. And Unity was the new player, was the new hot thing. You know, all the, the mobile games, um, the, the mobile game craze just started uh, around that day, uh, around those times. And people just started flocking to Unity. And, you know, that's why I gravitated to it as well. And uh, then that's just what I stuck with for a couple of years. You know, I was just learning uh, how to use it. And um, it was around uh, maybe 2012, 13 or so 
that I started a job um, at this at this software company in Germany. Um, and I quickly got into Unity development there. So uh, in my in my day job, I'm actually a, a augmented reality, virtual reality developer um, oh, in the in the enterprise space. You know, we make uh, not games, but uh, you know everything else that you can think of that might be uh, might be used in in the enterprise uh, world. Um, so you know that was just what I knew. And then once Michiel and I started uh, talking about making games, obvious the obvious choice was Unity because I already knew how to, right. to use it. Um, yeah, looking looking back at it, or like if I had to choose an engine now, it might not be Unity. But what would you go with? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, Unreal is definitely interesting. I've mm -hmm. dabbled with it a little bit, and uh, Godot is even more interesting because it's open source. So one of the one of the downsides to to Unity is that you do not have source access. You can't even look at the source. I mean, there's like decompiled versions of it on the net, but that doesn't help too much uh, in most cases. So the, all of the engines now, all the, the modern engines, they have a lot of pros and cons, of course, uh, as all software frameworks do. Uh, the biggest pro of Unity, I would say, is uh, how large the community around it is. So if you're looking to to solve you know the day-to-day -day problems, you're very likely to find a lot of good answers on like Stack Overflow, Unity forums, Reddit, etc. Mm -hmm. um, a bit less for for Unreal and Godot, but um, those started later, right? The the indie scene around Unity only started really developing once Unity uh, once once Unreal went and got uh, got changed to their free model, which is not that long that long ago and Godot is not that old right so just for unity you have this huge community of developers I don't think there's much uh, of uh, like yeah all of them have pros and cons but it's not like you could say okay this is the engine to go to for shmups this right. is the engine to go to for I don't know FPS or whatever like Unreal has a lot of things out of the box uh, that unity does not have uh, it has the, that blue, the blueprint system, which is like a, a visual coding system that might make it easier for beginners. But then it has C++ uh, as opposed to C# -sharp in Unity, which is harder to do. So yeah, um, it's it's not a clear-cut choice, um, anyways. And yeah, just because I I already knew Unity, that's of course what I what I stuck with, just uh, the path of least resistance there. And I you know, it's a it's a good engine. Uh, I love and hate it. <laughs> you know, that's yes, that's I just imagine. Yeah, of course. I mean, any tool you work with uh, for years, you're going to develop this this love hate relationship with. And I have heard that Unity is really good at crossing different platforms, so you could like bring yes. it to PS4, Switch. Yeah, X absolutely. Um, pretty yeah, easily. I, th I think I think it's still the best for that. Um, they they have the the broadest. Uh, range of support for for platforms um including including all the consoles which is something that for example for godot uh, as far as i know is not that easy for unreal it's probably about the the same uh for the for the major platforms but unreal does suffer a bit on on mobile i mean it's not like we're planning a mobile port uh, anytime soon but if at any point we we wanted to do that then it's it's super easy to, to basically just change your export target and uh, support the inputs 
right uh, for mobile for example yeah make it a gacha game <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the pachinko version, of course. Yeah. Are there any plans to bring it? Because people are already asking me, so I better and I better ask the question. Are there any plans to bring it to PS4 or Switch at all? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, awesome. So Steam is definitely coming. Uh, that's what I'm working on right now. Uh, Switch will be next. Um, of course, we uh, have to work with Nintendo there, so we haven't started that process yet. Which is going to be interesting, especially since Michiel used to work at, at Nintendo. Yeah, yeah, you got the connects. You like, you know, yeah, exactly. here's, my old, yeah. here's my old badge. Yeah. I used to work here. Hope. Come on. <laughs> exactly. I have, to, I have to navigate my way through the company and find the people that don't hate me. So yeah. <laughs> you have to change your name. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, of course, yeah, PlayStation, Xbox, etc. Uh, same thing. We'll look into that as soon as we have the the platforms before that finished. Um, will definitely be interesting. Uh, I mean, all those companies have different uh, indie programs, mm-hmm. uh, so that's that's going to be fascinating. Hopefully, I think the the strongest option is the Switch. Even though I prefer the PS4 yeah. personally, yeah. just because the Switch has this little like its own little uh, world around it. You know, it's like the the center of the universe for this whole sector of gamers and gaming journalists and outlets and stuff so like if anything shows up on there it tends to get more attention than like on the ps4 yeah yeah absolutely and i mean there's a lot of players on the switch yeah there are a lot of players uh nowadays that only play on a switch you know Mm -hmm. and of course the the thing sells like like crazy so uh obviously it has a huge pull just as a market and it seems to be the platform for people that like 2D games and let's say and it, quote unquote retro games. I know, yeah. it's not odd. Thing, you know? I always games, thought so, that would be the yeah. PS4, but it seems like, you know. Yeah. Like, for example, the amount of PS4 boys out there, it seems much lower, like in the mm. comments and stuff, where people are like, where's the PS4 version? That's like not super common, you'll see. But yeah. the Switch crew, I mean, are powerful. They are mighty. So. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Bringing we've, it we've onto got, the Switch could be huge. Yeah, and, we've, I think we've got more questions. When is it on Switch? Then we got sales on Edge, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, for I don't sure, know what it sure. is. I don't. Yeah. I don't know how much I need to like brainwash my audience. But Itch is cool. People buy it on Itch. <laughs> yeah. What's your? It is. It is really good. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, it's good uh, for developers. Like yeah. the, the barrier of entry is is super low. Uh, you can set uh, the revenue share just freely. Yes. Uh, we, we do kick back. We do kick back to to itch, but it's less than what we would have on on Steam and and other platforms. Steam. And uh, yeah, and the the itch uh, the itch app uh, works works really well as well. Yeah. You don't have you don't have DRM. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Yeah, and I think you, it's, uh, I the... use this launcher called Playnight. That thing is mm. awesome. And oh, it's it, like, it unites all the, all the different launchers? or So Playnight is... Oh, shit, I just hit the button. <laughs> Whoops. Okay. <laughs> uh, sorry, recording people. Um, <clears throat> so it's like this free open launcher thing. So it's free. And you can it just launches EXEs and whatever you want it to launch. So it can launch Steam shit. It can launch... Uh, like, I use it to launch all my emulators. And then you can use mm. it to launch itch.io it games. And it's also cool because it, like tracks the play time and everything oh this is why yeah. i opened it because it tells me how much i can i've played different games and stuff 
and I have like a uh, fighting rage on here. <laughs> it's oh, like nice. 200 something hours. <laughs> so, I'm trying to see what it was, but so I always say, you know, if, I don't know if people are aware of this, but if you get an itch.io game and then pair it with Play Night, I mean, it's just as good as, yeah. as Steam, in my opinion. But because because yeah. I, I think uh, that's the main reason why a lot of PC gamers are just staunch Steam heads. Steam you know, that's yeah. that's yeah, that's just like okay, this is just my gaming. Uh, what people like to say, ecosystem. That's just where they where they hang out and get all their all their Which achievements makes sense. and everything. Yeah. yeah. It's I like mean, their Steam, organizer Steam because, great, so, like, yeah. in the day of having like 500 EXEs and all these different folders, I get that. But yeah, I'm just saying, you can do that for free with Play Night, and it works really well. And it even has like the art and everything. You can make it look all yeah. pretty. I just think I just hope uh, people are a little bit more open-minded, so they don't have to always get everything on Steam always, mm. because Steam isn't always the best option for developers. So that's true. Uh, that's true. Yeah. But speaking of which, what's what's super interesting, just to to give uh, you an idea of how small itch is in comparison to Steam, I don't think it deserves that. Like it, this this thing should be bigger because it is mm-hmm. it is super well made. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we were like the Michael, what was it fourth best selling game or so, or something <laughs> on on itch in in our first or second week. Yeah, and. Believe me when I say we don't have that many sales. Like you, you'd be you'd be super surprised how little sales we have, and versus how high we were in those sales charts. So itch is just it's the tiniest drop in the ocean that is Steam. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, I think the way the model works now is it's kind of like the truest form of indie publishing, where you have to literally like. Yeah, like yeah. direct people to it. Like it's not like even yes. Steam. Absolutely. Steam's like the YouTube of indie games. Like itch mm. is like old school SoundCloud shit. You know, like Google Drive <laughs> yeah. type stuff. But at the same time, I think if people just <laughs> were a little bit more aware of it, were a little bit more interested in it, and yeah. uh, checked it out more. For example, working on House of Bullets, one of the best places I found to buy like. Uh, cheap sprites and cheap and like quality cheap stuff was on itch so i've bought yeah, a lot there's of, a lot there on there, the, on rather there. Than that's great itch, yeah. yeah tools as well there's a, yeah. a lot of super super good small tools like i used some uh for for some of our effects animations like for the the bullet collect uh, bullet absorption animation i i bought this this tool of itch cost like 15 bucks yeah lifetime license that's it you know yeah, yeah and people are asking about the background in stage one. And they're like, oh, this background's really cool. Where'd you get it? I was like, got it on itch for like five bucks. You know? It's yeah. Like, yep. Yep. And, and it's, it's really funny because people love to champion indie, right? Yeah. But uh, like, for example, when we announced our game like last year, I was just sending the trailer around to some some of those uh, I love indie type channels on YouTube and everything. And I got some responses back saying, yeah, yeah, we don't cover games that are just on itch only. And, what the hell? You know, th- and th- yeah. these are supposed to be people that champion indie releases. That, like, yeah, itch is indie as fuck. You cannot get more like indie than that. It's like the ultimate indie. Or, or a, the only way you get can get more indie if you just distribute the game all by yourself. On a CD that you mail to yeah. people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or like on Google Drive. Sell it at the mall, yeah. 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 So for, for a lot of people, you, you just don't exist when you're an itch, you know? When you're just you on itch only. If you're, really, if you're really all about it, and I might do this with House of Bullets, is like you could put the revenue share to zero and be like, nope. 
All the money, yeah. baby. <laughs> Everything for me. Everything. Yeah. So, yeah, I just want people... Because bef- people have been already asking, oh, was it on Steam? I just want to let them know you actually can buy it, and it works super fine on itch. You don't have to necessarily have the Steam yeah. version, but I'm a little yeah. bit more open to that sort of thing maybe than a lot of people are. Yeah. But, and of for, course... Yeah, for, we're, we're, yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead, yeah. Um, yeah, we're, we're not mad about, you know, itch being small. Uh, this is actually what we anticipated and what we wanted for... I mean, this is the first game that we're releasing, right? So, um, actually, it takes off a lot of the pressure um, to just have this smaller platform to, to do a release on first. And, yes, you know, and then have bring people it to slowly, yeah, yeah, have people slowly trickling in and then go to the big boys and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying almost, what you're doing. I'm not you could saying like say people it's more shouldn't buy it on free. Steam or anything, because I do see the value of Steam. I'm just saying like if you're if you're one of those I'm homegrown, free range indie type person, uh, mm. then I think you shouldn't. You should definitely check out the itch version because it is better for the developers. But if you're just the average consumer, there's no wrong, no reason why you shouldn't get it on Steam. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's and like Hans said, it's also kind of what we expected. Um, we, you know, in the whole uh, marketing trajectory of this whole thing, uh, sorry to get all corporate on you, uh, we, we saw it also more like getting the itch release out first is more of, uh, let's say, a, a, the buzz phase before we really yeah. start making a lot of noise when, when it's out on Switch and Steam. Yes. Because uh, we, we, have, we have a few ways that we can get it out there in the larger media and everything, but I don't want to do that unless we're our game is widely available because you know you cannot count on people to be to remember you and you, yes. know, you get people's attention only once. So th- at that exactly point, you right. want to be yeah. everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely understand, and I think that is important. And I've been thinking about another thing too, just on the indie side of thing. What do you guys think about a physical release, but like? marketability of that like from your side not from the fan side of oh we mm-hmm. love physical we want to buy it i mean from yours guys side, does that seem like a good direction to go as far as to make money or is that kind of like a money pit because i actually don't know and it seems at times it seems like oh that could be a great way to make money and then at other times it'd be like, yeah like it seems like as much pit. as much as i hate the limited run model and the, the whole fomo thing that is actually a sure fire way almost always to make money because people will just want it because it's a limited release right so you can at least you you said uh i think like a a limited stock of what you're going to produce and uh, you can be fairly sure that you will sell out of that stock because just people will will just want something that that's limited um and so I think, it, I think, it, think I, even though I don't run, like it, because that, that model myself, I see why it's kind of like yeah, a smart way of doing business. Yeah, and you guys have put together, I think, a really slick, professional game here, right? So I wouldn't mm. go this route myself as far as like limited run because House of Bullets is way yeah. too jank and shitty. But like your guys is, would you want to go through like a limited run or would you want to do it more like self-release? <laughs> Just as far as what do you think would be more financially I th- better? I think financially better would be for us definitely to to work with a manufacturer or a party that you sign sign some sort of deal with, so we don't have to go through the manufacturing process ourselves. Right. Um, that's true. But um, yeah, then then I would prefer to do it in a way that it's 
you know not as limited a run you know that it's yeah. more a little bit more widely available and people don't have to go all scalp crazy over it yeah which which probably doesn't happen if you have at least some sort of publisher yeah, yeah. Not, not really sure how that goes yeah, yeah. of course we, we would love to have a, a physical release just the, the thought of holding your own you know switch version or whatever in in your hands is of course very alluring um, we'll see how that goes once we uh, do digital on more platforms. Yeah, because it seems like the 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 steps here are like I like the the steps you're taking here. So it's like itch first to get it to the homies, and then it exactly. builds up some <laughs> it builds up some buzz, it builds up some uh, noise, and then you bring it to Steam, and then like the more casual audience and the wider audience, that's how they're going to consume it, and then mm. from Steam. You can kind of see now, okay, this is how it's selling. This is how people are reacting to it. Now, do we bring it to maybe the Switch or PS4 eShop or whatever? And then from there, then you can kind of see, okay, now the game is seems to be sinking its teeth into the audience more. Now we can bring out the big guns and bring out the physical version. And then you can get the whole suite of a release opportunity for the game. Yeah, that's kind of the, uh, the idea, definitely. And then it's like along the way, that way you're not like going too all in all at once. And like you're saying, you get one chance. You don't want to like, oh, uh, overdo it. And then you're like losing money. <laughs> That's exactly. Yeah. 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 No, for sure. Well, I did. I did get a little bit lost in the weeds in there talking about all that stuff because that stuff really interests me. But mm. uh, some other things I wanted to talk about, um, I guess, any plans for future stuff? for the game or is it pretty much all set are you thinking about when it comes to steam maybe adding in a bit of dlc here or there what do you guys think yep. about that yeah yeah there's there's definitely stuff coming uh we have some in the works right now uh so there's going to be uh a couple more uh arrangey modes nice um that are, that are pretty much uh finished already uh just need some some testing then, yeah, I've been working on a replay system for months now. <laughs> and I've heard, <laughs> Which someone is... told me in the comment section that replay yeah, systems yeah, yeah. in Unity are yeah. a tough yes, biscuit. It's, it, is, uh, it is super tough, yeah. That is WLTR, he's been testing the game as well, yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm still not 100% sure if I actually can uh, make it. I'm pretty far along, but uh, yeah, I think Michiel commented that somewhere as well. No, no promises. Uh, I'm I'm kind of cautiously optimistic. So the the issue is exactly like uh, like he uh, was it WLTR that commented. Yeah, yeah, that's him. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so basically, uh, replay systems, traditional replay systems, work um, by recording inputs and then basically uh re-simulate uh, a session right so um that that works fairly well as long as you are in the right engine on and uh, nowadays on the right hardware for that so the issue there is that um unity and all the the other modern uh, engines work quite a lot differently from older uh, consoles and uh, older arcade hardware uh, as in, um, you don't have a fixed time step right. uh, because you have different uh, different frame rates, right? Um, that's that's one of the problems. And then the other problem is uh, that 
floating point operations on modern hardware are ever so slightly different um, between different CPUs from different makers or even oh different generations from the from the same hardware maker. So if I record a uh, if I record a replay on on my PC and send it to Michiel, we both have Intel CPUs, but since he has a different uh, generation of CPU, the floating point operations are slightly different, uh, which leads to desyncs in the replay, right? Oh man. Um, yes. So and do you to... have to like? I'm taking a guess here. Do you have mm -hmm. to to make this replay system work? You have to have like some sort of built-in function in your replay system that like assesses the computer basically yeah <laughs> like yeah. okay this is the exact values of this computer then it has to uh, not not of... the not the values of the computer but basically what you do is or what i'm doing in, in in the approach that i'm working on right now is you build in fail safes uh into the system so say for example you're flying up and down uh, on the screen with the with the ship um, and you're only recording the inputs, right? Say at frame X, you're inputting a downwards uh, input. Frame Y, which could be like 20 frames later, you're inputting an upwards input. And just to make sure that those are perfectly synced up, I also record the position of the ship when the input changes. So those, uh, then I can detect if the uh, simulated state and the recorded state match up. And if they don't, I can slightly correct it. So I'm building on in these these fail saves, and uh, it it sort of works. Um, but there's still uh, some kinks to the system that, that I have to, to work out. And I'm not exactly sure if, if I will be able to do it. But yeah, as I, I said, I feel like if optimistic. you are able to do it, you know, you'll be like in the Hall of Fame of <laughs> yeah, yeah. developers, right? You know, uh, you'll, you'll get a lot, like a a lot of people. A lot of people have already built systems uh, like that. I'm sure of it. Uh, it's just that, um, well, I, I, I don't want to keep working on this for months on end, and I could be working on <laughs> actually like improving the core core gameplay, right? Yeah, that's the that's the issue there. It comes down to a bit of time management. I guess the cool he's, part he's though is if my, you get uh, that to work, you could you could add it into your leaderboard system, which would be super yes. cool. That's the that's, that's how. The plan. That's the setup, yeah, yeah. That every leaderboard entry you can watch that back, yeah. That is huge because yeah, yeah. I've realized, like, just as a consumer, so let's say some games come out with leaderboards i like leaderboards and i'm not saying they're not cool but when you have leaderboards without replays and leaderboards with replays it's a massive difference because the other day mm. i was playing some shmup i can't remember what it was i was like i have no idea how to play this and then i went onto the leaderboard and watched a replay on the leaderboard i'm like okay i know how to play it now like that is such a useful yeah. tool that plus yeah. it's a good way to check for if people are uh you know messing the system because oh, yeah. cheater, having, cheater punk, having to know? have uh exactly because it will be much harder to to cheat uh, a playthrough with uh with replays yeah yeah so uh, yeah exactly and, and just cool to feature. just to elaborate a, a bit more on the on the whole floating point operation uh situation there uh i, I think somebody else commented uh that somewhere as well like, um, because those modern game engines are using the floating point uh, operations that are uh, part of the hardware of the of the CPUs, um, that's why we get those those differences, right? Uh, there are other ways to circumvent it. Um, so basically, you can re-implement floating point operations as integer operations, which are pretty much guaranteed to be the same across all CPUs. 
but then that means that you need to build your own custom math libraries and you need to build your own <coughs> wow. physics libraries. So it's it's a whole mess. Yeah. Um, which is why this is so tough. And on, on all the systems, say like you have a, a Super Nintendo game, you mm. know what chip this is running on. Uh, it's yeah. going to be the same every time. It runs at a fixed time step of uh, for, for 60 FPS. So you, you didn't have that issue back then. Well, so this it's, it's a wholly modern problem that I want to ask about. Let's say you did this for console, right? And if someone's playing on a PS4 versus a PS4 Pro, would that make a difference? It would not make a difference with the system that I'm setting up if it works. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. if, if not, it would definitely make a difference. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, because, yeah, basically what I'm doing now is um, the, the gameplay itself runs at a fixed frame rate. Um, and all the frames in between are interpolating those positions and, and values. So it wouldn't matter if you're running the, the game at, you know, if your uh, actual video frame rate is 10 FPS or 120 FPS, it would still be a result in the same gameplay. Yeah, I if love it that. all works out. Yeah, that's the, I think that's the future for the genre. As much as we all love 60 FPS and everything, I think. We're getting nearer to that time where we need to start swapping over to higher frame rate possibilities, you know. Yeah, so you yeah. As, as, as soon as you want to support, uh, yeah, as soon as you want to support different platforms, you know, PCs, consoles, phones, whatever, you you need that, um, mm -hmm. and you're going to run into that problem, unfortunately. Exactly. And speaking of new platforms, so this was another big part of my video that I was like. Huh, I talked about this more than I expected, but uh, you guys just kind of landed in... Well, yours uh, a great example, so I think it was good to include, though it wasn't necessarily specifically about um, S.H.I.E.L.D., but uh, the aspect ratio, the 16 by 9 aspect ratio. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that was very interesting. That, well, yeah, what did you guys think about that? Yeah, it, it was funny because... Um... Uh, some other uh, of our testers told us actually, uh, yeah, you guys actually nailed it, the 16 by 9 aspect ratio, you know, like it doesn't it doesn't feel like your typical 16 by 9 shooter where you just feel like there's a lot of space on uh, on screen. Mm -hmm. um, we were conscious of the uh, aspect ratio, of course, and we chose the aspect ratio because that's just like you said, the modern screen standard. And we just wanted yes. to work around that. So all with the stage design and the zoom levels and everything, we definitely were conscious of not having a lot of extra space all of a sudden on screen, you know? Um, but I think you were the first person to point out, and I th thought it was a very interesting point, that just the overall feel of it. Because I think we solved it from a game design and mechanical point of view. Mm -hmm. or like Rolling Gunner. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, it's it's not like there's a lot of extra extra space now, especially if you hit the later loops in the later modes. Yeah, you'll 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 find like you'll, you know, you'll be nicely cramped. Like uh, yes. things will heat up and cook up very nicely there. But uh, I th I thought it was a very interesting point that you said like um it just it feels less visceral. This is is exactly yes. what you said, right? Yes, like, that's kind of what I Things are less critiquing. less in your face. So I think that's a very good point. Yeah. Um, something to, to be more mindful of in the future, for sure. Yeah. Well, and the thing I want to bring up with you guys is that I don't know if this has necessarily ever been quite 
addressed or solved. So that's why I didn't feel like it was necessarily a critique of just your game specifically. That's why I tried to mm. point out like R-Type Final 2, Rolling Gunner, like all 16 by 9 shmups are sort of struggling with this, or at least it's kind of an interesting aspect of them. Because yeah. when you're playing 4 by 3 the screen is just, you're just so immediately close to everything that yeah. it, it just feels really visceral. But when you yeah. spread it out to 16 by 9 it is so hard to achieve that because you're basically zooming outward yeah. most of the time. And I, so, I am, I, what did you guys yeah. think? Like, the I only solution I've been like, able to come up with is, like, make everything big. Like, make the sprites big. Make, mm. you know, make everything bigger. But, uh, but you also have to make everything wider, right? So everything becomes yeah. naturally wider, almost. Yeah, and that's a problem. So, because otherwise, so otherwise why... you lose, otherwise you lose a lot of vertical space. Exactly. So um, that's why I'm scared of sixteen by nine. <laughs> so I, I think me. you'll find may, maybe if you continue to play, maybe you'll feel less strongly about it because the later loops and the later stages will, for example, also have a lot of Zako and enemies that come flying in from the uh, left side of the screen, for example, you know? Right. So you start maybe uh, using the mid-screen more. Um, well, that's what Rolling Gunner did. So Rolling Gunner, yeah. the way they got around this, even though, I, again, I still think, though, sometimes when you're playing Rolling Gunner, you're like, this game is tiny. Like, it feels like sometimes, yeah. like, this game, like, your chip's tiny, the bolts are tiny. There's just a lot yeah. of it on screen. Yeah, yeah. But the way Rolling yeah. Gunner addressed it was, let's give you a gun that spins in all these directions. In all these directions, and then give the warnings also from what enemy, yeah. once what side enemies come. Like uh, like in Death Smiles, Death Smiles have exactly. enemy warnings as well, right? Yeah. Right. And, uh, but like, because horizontally, it's not, because, like, uh, it's hard to explain exactly, but it's not like you're just widening. You're also sort of, in a way, narrowing it too, right? Because... Yeah. You're stretching yeah. the horizontal space, but the vertical space is still the same. So everything just gets wider. So it's a yeah. weird shift that, like, if I were to naturally change the genre, I would just make the whole thing bigger. But then, of course, that's not how yeah. monitors are. Monitors don't want to do that. They want to get wider. And I think it's putting shmups, horizontal shmups specifically, though vertical shmups mm. in a way, in kind of this weird position that maybe they don't even want to be in, but they're in it which is, yep. okay, everything's getting wider. What do we do about this? And, and a funny thing is also that it's, uh, we in our pre-recording chat, we were also talking about the Darius games, right? Like, th that those games existed since the 80s right. with the ridiculous widescreen setups, uh, which is not all that conducive to the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay, actually. Oh, yeah, I think in, in Darius cases, 1, it's, it's kind of silly. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's not that great. Yeah. It has a, it has a reason to exist because that game just made a huge impact on people that played it in arcades. Just the whole, yeah, you know, the, make this the cabinet insane. experience of it, yeah, it was a, a ridiculous widescreen, but also then the vibrating seats and the speakers and everything. <laughs> yeah, it was just a massive, massive experience. In that sense, it was justified. But if you play it now at home via your Darius uh, Cosmic Collection, yeah, it doesn't really land that way, does it? Yeah, and also Darius kind of walked it back a little bit too like uh yeah they're like all right let's Gu gaiden was uh yeah they're like all right let's actually three. do four yeah. by three here and most people yeah. think gaiden's the best i would say it is but yeah but then the rise burst uh does it again all over again yeah i know i haven't touched that what, game what i would yet. actually love to do is have uh just a dynamic aspect ratio because for for example i'm i'm working on a 21 uh, by 9 screen um, so every time I'm playing Shitmite, you know, I get the, um, 
what's it called the, the black bars yeah uh, yes whatever those the, are borders the letter box or the other box <laughs> yes so, some, type, some type of box yeah gutters. so exactly so I, I would love to you know have a just a dynamic aspect ratio but then how is that gonna work in a 2d game right it works mm -hmm. in 3d games because um it doesn't matter if things are off screen or on screen except for your field of view but in a game like this for example um bullets disappear as soon as they uh leave the screen right we have enemy homing missiles and we don't want them coming back uh once they left the screen because right. that that leads to cheap deaths so we need to define the the aspect ratio uh in a fixed in a fixed manner so what are you going to do right you can't do uh, 21 by 9 because then it would be harder or easier depending on the situation you, you can't do four by three because then things would leave the screen earlier it would change the the gameplay experience uh depending on your monitor right i was thinking so of something yeah. a little wild a little crazy which is what if you Later added on. a camera button to the shmup where okay so the game is actually still 16 by 9 so think of uh think of shield it's still the way it is and then there's a button that you hit and it zooms in to four by three like on your ship and then you hit it again and it goes back to 16 by nine and you can like just hit that button and it'll like zoom in and out on your ship and kind of uh so like there could be certain times where you launch these massive dense patterns at the ship and you hit the camera mm. button now you're in on your ship you can kind of navigate them and then you hit it again now you're macroed out and you can get a macro around things like that's kind of a a, a not the most well, thoughts, elegant yeah. solution, yeah. but it, it would be interesting to see. Very interesting. I'm getting almost work. like uh, I'm getting uh, associations with uh, Beautiful Joe here, you know, with the slow zoom and that sort of yeah, sort yeah. Of thing. You can do something really wicked with that. Yeah. Well, I feel like two D, two D, two dimensional games are gonna run into this problem eventually, one way or another, with this whole widening aspect ratio. What do we do here? Because mm. even with like platformers. As they get wider and wider, you're just going to continue to get more and more zoomed out to the point where, like, your guys just this, this little dot on the screen and, like, you see the entire level on the screen yeah. at once. Like, a, <laughs> as they get more and more wide, which they want to continue to do. What was that game on uh, Xbox Live Arcade? Castlevania. Yeah, Harm Castlevania Harmony of Dissonance. Harmony uh, of Dissonance, yeah. Excellent yeah. game. It's a crazy, like zoomed out Castlevania platform. They, they did exactly, <laughs> yeah, they did exactly yeah. that. You you could see the the whole level. Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. I know. <laughs> so I'm wondering yeah. if like we're getting closer and closer to maybe a camera system somehow getting involved. Yeah, yeah, we're doing that a little bit uh, with our uh, bigger bosses. Yeah, I where, did notice that. Um, you like it'll it'll like zoom out a bit. I didn't know. Yeah, exactly. It, it zooms out, and especially during during one boss fight, this uh, big command ship, um, you can actually navigate uh, outside of the the boundaries of, of what you're seeing. So it's uh, basically you you're moving the map uh, up and down and left and right. It's only really used uh, during that boss fight. Yeah, but it's, it's like Star yeah, Fox 64's all range mode. You know, in that yes particular mm -hmm. boss fight, you have free movement. That's cool. I love that. I think shmups need to start doing some more of this type of stuff because otherwise, because I feel like if we want to stick to the traditional style, I think that's totally awesome. 
But at some point, like when people want to start doing these new ideas, they sometimes just don't fit in with the traditional style all that well. Yeah. Like, uh, for example, I think your guys is. That's why I did feel a little bad because I don't think you guys like necessarily did anything. Like, oh, this is a problem type of thing. I was just trying. I was just more commenting on sort of the, yeah. the nature of the aspect ratio. Yeah. But the one thing that I do think is going to be a problem. Or it's going to be really interesting is when people start going the sixteen by nine vertical route. That's going to get tricky because、oh, now you got and that's like, happening. Yeah, I've seen it, a couple of games being announced、yeah. already with the.、Uh, and there's、yeah. one that I'm going to review that I'm very curious to see if they maybe solve the problem or if it's still because、yeah. that is a、how、lot of horizontal space right there. Yeah, how did you feel? Because it it has happened already、uh, a couple of years back with the、uh, GRS under defeat、uh, new order mode, right? Like that was.、Uh, oh, I never played a, that. A vertical, yeah. I, I and that was sixteen by nine for vertical. Yep, 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 yep. Wow.、Um, it's weird.、Uh, it kind of worked for me personally. Not everybody's a fan of it because of the sort sort of it's not completely vertical, kind of tilted to perspective, right? Like tilted forward, like、mm. Raystorm,、uh, for example.、Uh, oh, so、okay. you see enemies a little bit further ahead in the distance,、um, and of course you have this sort of swinging motion of the helicopter、like、from left to right,、yeah. and 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 you can angle your angle your fire. Um, so it was it, it was all right for that game for me. I kind of enjoyed the whole experience of it, but that's, that's maybe... actually an interesting idea. Like、uh, with some、uh, perspective tricks, you、yeah. could essentially have a what is actually four by three playing field fit better into a sixteen by nine. Yeah, if, if, if you tilt it, for example, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you could、yeah. do the same for for a Hori, I guess. That's、would look a bit weird, maybe, but could work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think there's a lot to explore there, anyway. So I, I did want to bring that up because yeah, I think no, I thought I, I thought it was a very interesting nine, point. Nobody, it's nobody,、doable. even with all the testing, nobody had made that point to us. Yeah, I think that's a very, that's a very specific thought of mine. I don't think anyone else really. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's it also、much. maybe it's also interesting, like.、Um, I don't think we ever talked about the the aspect ratio. It was just the the first prototype that I made was sixteen by nine, and since that was fun, you know, maybe that's why we we didn't even pick up on it. And、uh, what's probably also interesting is that、um, obviously I'm not as in depth、uh, into schmups as Michaelis, so I didn't think about the this this problem that much. Yeah. I, I thought about it a lot while okay, doing okay. doing level designs, you know, like、uh, yeah, I'm sure you're like I, I, there's I, a yeah, lot I, of space here to fill. Yeah, exactly.、Shit. I kept I really kept it in mind with the level designs, especially like you talk about in the video with those、uh, those laser grids as well. Like, how do I cut the screen up into pieces, like compartmentalize、exactly. it, and try to trap the player and and those kinds of things. So yeah, I was very conscious of that sort of screen space. Yeah. So. Um, other things that we should talk about, because I I don't want to just rant about aspect ratio the entire time. <laughs> you poor guys.、Um, any other any other things that came up during the the making of your guys's game that you you think really stand out that I don't think maybe a lot of players are going to pick up on, or it's not like totally obvious. But once you get to know the game better, it's a, a real feature of the game that I think people you'll think people really appreciate. Maybe more talking about things that people will pick up on is uh, the music, uh, which is oh yeah definitely just added did such a such a bang job with that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, as as Michiel said, initially the game was uh, smaller and it looked quite a, a fair bit simpler. And then once we got those first tracks from from Ed, we said to ourselves, you know, we got to step up. We got to step up our game now because we got this really really well made professional banging soundtrack, and we got a couple of you know boring looking sprites. That's not that's not good. You know, we need to really step it up there, and that's when a lot of the the VFX work um, and a lot of uh, more intricate sprite work started. Yeah. So that was that was interesting. And the thing um, that also maybe that a lot of people that don't know already don't already know about this project might have realized is that uh, this is not traditional 2D pixel art, but uh, it's the old Donkey Kong Country trick of um, oh I didn't know pre-rendered that. sprites. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And you, you probably you don't do notice it because uh, because uh, Johannes actually or Hans <laughs> actually uh, did a lot of after touching with sort of like thicker lo-fi pixels. Well, that's cool. So, what were you using as the models? Yeah, it's, those, it's three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Those, go those ahead. are those are all uh, custom-made models uh, by our art guy. Uh, he works in Blender, and uh, we tried to. Um, the the most challenging thing, as far as I know, uh, are the the outlines or the uh, not outlines, but the inner lines as well, the inner pixel lines uh, for the sprites. That apparently took a lot of uh, Blender magic. I'm not too familiar with <laughs> with how that works. Right. Uh, I think the the result is pretty good. Yeah. Um, he he is. Uh, you might guess from the like from the mini bosses. He's a huge uh, Star Wars fan. That's why they look so Star Destroyery. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's that was definitely like at first. We we just use uh, placeholder sprites um, like from from Gradius NES and, and things like that, and then once we got the first ship, I think the the red ship, the Weavern, was the the first ship that that he finished, including the barrel roll. Um, <laughs> yes, and that I, I love that style. I mean, obviously that's uh, a matter of taste. Uh, some people just don't like, uh, you know, the uh, blown up pixel art, and and that's okay. Uh, personally, I just love it. And then uh, once I started layering on the uh, the particle effects, um, which I also get, you know, they're a bit much for for some people. That's why nope. you can turn them off. No, <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> yeah, I was very mandatory. happy to see you. Actually, I, I love them. Yeah, <laughs> with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people turn them off and turn other effects off as well, which is obviously How fine. You know, they? some people don't like blooms. Some people don't like screen shake, slow mo effects. Uh, I love all, all of that. I, I kind of that's looking cool. back at it, I do wish I had talked a little bit more about that in the review because I did think the presentation on those specific things really stood out to me as like, I, that's why I was saying I felt like it was very professional, felt very polished because those Thank are you. the first areas I always look when I'm playing a new indie shmup or something. I'm like, okay, how are the explosions? Are they big? Are they meaty? Are, are they all over the place? And then I look at your guys's and they had big media explosions with the particle effects and then the slowdowns. I was like, oh, this is this is what I'm talking about. I thought that was really good. So <laughs> yeah, in that the, the regard, I do not agree with talk... the testers. <laughs> <laughs> nice. The the other thing that you also talked uh, about in your review is uh, just uh, the number of uh, vi- uh, video options and yeah. accessibility options. I was like, That's... whoa. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, that, a lot of work w- went into that as well. Um, 
especially with uh, accessibility uh, nowadays, it's a it's a big topic and it deserves to be. Um, I'm personally very happy that it has come to this because some games still don't do it and they really stand out in a big negative way, in, in my opinion. Like uh, last year I played uh, Metroid Dread, which is a good game and uh, it's a $60 game by Nintendo, so it doesn't get much more AAA than that. The number of accessibility options in that game is zero, and that's so that's a bit ridiculous. Do you mean for like colorblind people? Uh, yes, but also just um, even more basic things uh, like remapping your controls. I mean, you can. Oh my do god! That you couldn't remap your controls? No, no, no. Oh, and you have ridiculous. to mash. You have to mash to shoot quickly. <laughs> yeah, that's absurd. It is. Yeah, and so we uh, went out of our way to include as many things as we could think of but of course we're also looking uh, for feedback there um, from from people that have issues uh, with with accessibility of our game uh, happy to to improve uh, on that because you know inclusivity it's it's not just a buzzword it's it's a real thing you know if there is somebody that wants to play our game but can't for some reason uh, that makes me super sad so anything we can do there to to help and improve on that uh, we're definitely going to do it, you know? Yeah, and I was really impressed looking through the list. Um, I am partially colorblind, and my brother is, like, really colorblind. And so, like, I remember he... So I've actually been aware of this for quite a long time, because back in the day, we used to play um, Call of Duty against, like, uh, you know, online and stuff. And he had a hell of a time, because he couldn't tell who was the enemy and who wasn't, because it was, like, red or green, and to him, they right, the same yeah, color. Yeah. So he's, like, shooting his teammates half the time. And he's actually yeah, a really yeah, good exactly. player. Yeah, and yeah. then Call of Duty so, added a colorblind mode, mm -hmm. you know, quite a long time ago. And when he added it, he's like, oh, shit, I can play Team Deathmatch now. So, yeah, yeah. That, how cool is that, right? Yeah. And then also yeah. Battle Garega. This is something I have actually argued with people about where, you know, like real purist types would say, oh, you shouldn't be allowed to use the colored bullets in the PS4 port because, you know, that's an extra advantage over playing it on the, you know, blind mode version yeah. that is the arcade and i said i try to explain to people listen if those colored bullets aren't on there i cannot play the damn game because i can't i exactly. literally cannot see them it's like it's not even a matter of skill it's like i'm just flying yeah. around and i'm dead <laughs> what, that, what happened <laughs> exactly what what just killed me yeah, yeah so i've i am a big proponent of like colorblind shit uh making stuff visible and of course control remapping i think that's absurd yeah. that metroid dread didn't have that because super metroid Super Metroid on the yeah, Super Nintendo yeah, exactly. has, color, <laughs> has control remapping. True. Yeah. true. Plus, I think yeah, just right. as a player, control remapping is a must yeah. because yeah. you know you want to play on your arcade stick. You don't want to play on their stupid setup. So, exactly. Yeah, yeah and the thing is also uh, apart from just the accessibility um, menu, we also made sure that any important information is not just conveyed through sight only or through color only or through audio only, you know? You might have noticed that whenever your shield goes down, you hear a danger voice saying, and then when your shield is ready to use again, it says, okay, like real Gigawing style, you know? Yes. Uh, but then also, like, the color, the bullets changing color, is not, it's, it's not Ikaruga. It's not like, oh, now the, the, uh, the bullets are safe to be collected. It's just... A visual aid, you know, it's it's it that is mm -hmm. the state of yeah. your ship that determines whether you can collect the bullets or not. But we made them change color, just so you have a visual cue. Okay, now now good. it's safe. But 
But I think that's there's a very more, good design. There's a lot of layered information, apart from the gauges, and then the 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 info on the screen itself in in the game itself. Like we we want we want to convey all the necessary information in various ways during gameplay. Yeah, and this is something that I've been thinking about a lot. Is that shmups? I think should start trying more to get away from like on-screen gauges and try and integrate more and more information into the playfield somehow. Yeah. For, for example, like even in House of Bullets, it's in the newest update, so that people can't see it yet. But so I had I I decided okay, I'm gonna add like a, a hyper because uh because like it's complicated. Yeah. It's gonna have like this little hyper. But the problem was is that I've always felt like games that have the hyper up in the corner, and so you have to like watch the corner as you're playing. Your eyes need to do like the whole split split screen eyes to try and hit, see the gauge and see what you're doing. And I've noticed some games have started adding like hyper meters like under your character and stuff. I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. So I went out of my way, and now there's like a little hyper meter that appears under your character, so you don't have to look yeah. in the corner to see the hyper gauge. And so I think mm. more and more that shmups can get away from keeping everything on like gauges. Yeah. I'm talking to you, Hellsinker, and putting it onto the game <laughs> screen. I think that's just for just playability, yeah. you know, is also really good. Yeah. Hellsinker is extra tough because it's even off screen, you know, it's like in the, <laughs> it goes uh, extra hard sidebars. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm, I'm still working on some uh, improvements there. I, <clears throat> I definitely like the idea of, um, either having no UI or have the UI uh, at your character, like you said. So there's probably in the future going to be an option to uh, move the UI to your ship. But uh, even now, there are a lot of things that we're doing there. So for example, once your EX weapon is ready, uh, your ship starts uh, blinking with this uh, purple outline. Or the, the shield, you know, the shield has the gauge on, on top, yes. of course. But you can also see it change color. Uh, yeah, so it that's turned very from useful. From, yeah, from, from blue or golden, uh, depending on, on your uh, upgrade level, uh, it gradually changes to red uh, yeah. before it uh, runs out, right? So, and then you have the the audio cues as well. So we, we're already trying to, you know, get you away from those gauges a little bit. I mean, I'm a fighting game player, so I'm I'm used to looking at all sorts of meters uh, that are sometimes on the top and on on the bottom of the screen and uh, in all the corners, right? So I'm used uh, to that. But I totally get that uh, not everybody uh, likes that, or uh, that some people have have trouble, and that's again an accessibility issue, of course. Yeah. Well, I also wonder, yeah. like, why don't fighting games? Speaking of, not to go on the fighting game tangent, but I feel like this is something fighting games themselves might think about, like. Yep. Like you're playing Guilty Gear and, you know, like your gauge is way up in the left corner and you're like trying to split your eyes to see your gauge and, you know, try and react to what they're doing. Like, why not have like a little meter that if, like op maybe make it optional that, you know, can peer appear on at like the feet or sort of somewhere yeah. near your or character. Some, some so way, like, oh, maybe a more yeah. a more elegant way to show the state of your character as well. That's uh, that could be interesting. Yeah. Lest you turn the game into uh, the average screen of World of Warcraft with meters on everything. You know? Right, yeah. <laughs> yes. Something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's super interesting. Well, so the last topics that we have on here that I don't want to ignore um, is, uh, Mikhail, you talked about sort of the challenge of iteration versus innovation when it comes to designing a game. 
So I wanted to get yeah. your thoughts, especially because I would feel like, interestingly enough, Shield is more on the innovation side of things. I would say it feels pretty innovative. I haven't quite seen stuff like this before. But uh, yeah, that's, also, that's... you know, you can't do everything from scratch. So I'd love to hear your kind of thoughts. Put no, exactly. Together. I think I think uh, we also mentioned Euro shmups a little bit, right? Like mm -hmm. your typical Euro shmup developer maybe has played R-Type in the arcades once, and then they think they got the whole genre figured out, and they exactly. sort of re re reinvent the wheel from uh, from beginning and makes also makes all sorts of mistakes. That mm -hmm. has been solved by previous developers already, you know, that they just don't know about. Yes. Uh, and, and I think that has been the reason why Japanese shoot 'em ups have been so great, is that Japanese development is very iterative, right? Like, yes. people look at each other's games and then see, okay, this is good, we'll keep this, and then we'll add something on top of that. Um, and, yeah, I think that that is a very... Um, very sound way to develop a genre such as shoot 'em ups. This is also why, yeah, what what I was saying, why I felt so intimidated, like you know, like by mm -hmm. developers like Cave and Treasure and GRF, uh, which is why I wanted to stay away from trying to trying having to make something that would even come close to that. Um, but I think actually, the way in was innovation because I felt like with the shield mechanic, I never saw it done anywhere quite in the same way mm -hmm. the, the bullet absorbing uh one of your commenters on your video mentioned a game called samidara which i was not uh familiar with so i checked it out thankfully it's it's nothing like our mechanic so i wasn't plagiarizing unknowingly um, well there's so many shmups with so many mechanics with shields yeah 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 exactly. so i like that's why i even said it in review i'm like that i'm aware of because you know there's yeah. some shmup from 1997 on yeah. the PC engine or something that one <laughs> yeah. time had a shield mechanic where you could, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, yeah, you never, you never, <laughs> you never 100% know. know. But as far as I'm aware of, we made something that hasn't really been done yet in quite the same way. You know, you can make comparisons to Ikaruga or you can make comparisons to Giga Wing with its uh, bullet reflect barrier and, and those sort of things. Uh, one of my sort of more subconscious. Um, inspirations with uh, Cyvarier as well mm. because I like the way that Cyvarier changes your relationship with bullets right they're not just something you need to stay away with stay away from but you need to sort of yeah you need to do the whole grazing thing and yes. so you you start to become you start to see bullet patterns as an opportunity rather than just a threat so that is something that found its way into Shieldmate as well but I think by having something that I feel we could add to the genre that was our way in as well, you know. And I feel like when you when you do when you uh, achieve something like that, like make um, some kind of innovation that is fun, it also helps to not make the genre die. Because uh, yeah, we you know, just just having games that follow the tried and true pattern of what makes a good shoot 'em up, um, yeah, will will eventually sort of lead to. The genre petering out, I, I fear. Yeah. And I do think just from a design perspective, having that central goal, that central design mechanic or philosophy really helps clarify almost the entire game to you, like everything. Because, yeah. for example, with House of Bullets, like the two rules of House of Bullets are more enemies and 
no downtime. So whenever I'm like sitting there and I'm like d designing waves, designing patterns, and I'm running into like, oh, what should I do here? I always go, you know, go to the rules. Okay, more enemies. Yep. No downtime. <laughs> I just so that <laughs> yeah, exactly. informs the entire development of everything. It informs every pattern. It informs every mechanic I do. It informs everything. And so I, I feel like that shield mechanic's probably the same way. Where you look at it, you're like, yep. It needs to fit with the shield. Exactly. That's where it flowed. Everything, the rest of the game, yeah, sort of flew from there or float float from there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So everything that we layered on on top of it, everything that we added was completely based around that shield mechanic. Yeah. That's why. But, yeah. In which many is ways, also why, yeah, why we removed uh, a lot of things that we experimented uh, with because it, it didn't uh, fit well with that shield mechanic. Yeah. And it, it's the way why... It's the, yeah. It's the reason why um, yeah everything is the way it is in the game and why it is so quirky and unusual, you know, in many ways. Yeah. Well, I've had a lot of fun playing it. Now I'm interested in testing out Chimera mode and giving that a go because that does sound pretty does sound pretty interesting, especially when you're saying that the scroll speed starts speeding up and stuff. I'm like, ooh, that sounds yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah Chimera mode is insane. Yeah. It gets a bit wild because you start wrecking crazy multipliers as well. <laughs> and uh, a, a little known uh, yeah, thing about the game is that uh, a growing active multiplier also adds to your DPS. So you start doing uh, doing more damage and oh, your bullets start, start growing in size. So things get pretty crazy in Chimera mode where the game starts scrolling faster and your bullets start growing in size and it all, becomes all mayhem and destruction. Well, I was going to ask you guys, what are your personal favorite aspects of the game or your personal favorite levels or modes or, you know, what, what are you guys most into as, you know, the developers? Uh, to me, yeah, Chimera mode is definitely crazy fun, but um, you only having one life uh, can make it pretty tough. Like yeah. after, after a long run, just out of nowhere, <laughs> the run is over. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can see how that is alluring to some people. Uh, to me, it's a little less alluring. I think the the latest addition that we made, the the Ziga mode, uh, like the the Omake mode, we we call it internally, uh, was a pretty good addition. It's a it's a single ten minute stage uh, that kind of remixes uh, elements from from all the other modes and especially from late uh, Chimera mode, a bit uh, toned down because you're using the the default three ships. Uh, but I think that that addition was fantastic. Uh, yeah. So just just you know, it's just a ten minute thing, um, but it's pretty tough to to get through, and especially to get a no miss uh, is pretty hard. But that was super fun. And uh, apart from that, to me personally, um, games are all about juice, the juiciness of mm -hmm. you know explosions, effects, just. Uh, that visceral feeling um, of, you know, making things go boom. Yes. Um, so I, I hope uh, that we we got that down to uh, to a good degree. Um, that's a, that's the most fun part for me. And then, uh, you know, a little bit of competition on the on the leaderboards. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, always that's good, super yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do hope that this game because I could see this game catching on with a, a certain sector of players, like a, like a Kiwi type person or a Pearl getting their hands mm -hmm. on the game and doing Pearl's been testing a little bit stuff. as well. Yeah. Yeah, I could see it. Well, Twilight EX you're talking about, I'm sure 
you know yeah. if he starts playing it a bunch that will be super impressive too yeah he was enjoying it uh, his uh, first run into the game yeah yeah, I, th I think Seeger mode is... Uh, I was actually playing that before we started recording, like, uh, because I could only clear it with one of the three ships. Uh, other people have cleared it with the other two ships, so it's not, like, horribly balanced against the other two. But uh, I found it tougher with the other two ships to do it. Uh, so I was uh, trying, and uh, yeah, it's, it's just really fun to... Because it's a quick restart, and you don't get set very far back, you know, just trying to get a little bit further each time. Uh, it was pretty pretty addictive like I uh, just couldn't stop trying it and you know with both my uh, yeah the ships that I don't perform as well as in that mode I got uh, pretty far which was satisfying to see that uh, I was making some breakthroughs well that's awesome and I think the addition of these extra modes is again a great feature to have because um, I think you know in in the long run like having a nice selection of arranges and different ways to play the game really helps yeah um, I think so too I love so. that with uh, about uh, you know cave games like Daifukatsu and yes uh, and of course Moshe uh, Masama Futari yeah 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 I think that that stuff goes a really long way and then may yeah. maybe someday we might see the barrel roll arrange where <laughs> you just barrel roll all day <laughs> it's the might happen barrel roll no, no. <laughs> barrel yeah. might <laughs> yeah well awesome any other topics you guys want to cover before we uh call the episode i think we're good for this time right like we talked about a lot of things uh there's there's so much still we could talk about and left to say but uh yeah maybe we can have another chat uh, some other time yeah, yeah as soon definitely. as we get some more some more updates and some more platforms uh, out there we do have some some crazy ideas uh, that we might add to the game at a later point, or that might spin off into their own games. Uh, we're not quite sure there ourselves yet, but uh, there's definitely more to come. Yeah, and I'm definitely hoping that when the game comes to Steam, when the game comes to Switch, that it makes a splash, because I think it definitely deserves it. And it does sometimes annoy me a little bit how selective the, the wider gaming press is with shmups where they'll cover like you know like only the most recognizable stuff then all this yeah. great stuff just flies completely under the radar like eh, whatever you know so <laughs> yeah that's part of the reason become, why it I has was... become a little bit better in recent years though yes it has like there's there's more more shoot em up coverage now that, yeah that's part of the reason why i specifically pointed out like comparisons with our type in my review because it's like because as i was reviewing this i was like uh, a little bit annoyed because I was like, this game's better than our type, but no one's gonna know. <laughs> no one's gonna talk about it. Well, I guess I'll talk about it. So that's what I that's why I sort of made the comparison between the two. It's a it's a different game. I, I mean we, we don't really want to compete with those with those big boys. Uh at least not yet. Let's see. Yeah, and here's the hoping when they do the next R type that it's better so I don't have to constantly get people yelling at me over my <laughs> review over <Yeah>. it. <laughs> So I, yeah. I always. This is why the platinum game scares the shit out of me because, oh, like yeah, yeah, Soul Cresta. Yeah, that thing scares me. Every time I see trailers for it, I I shake in fear because it's. I know I gotta cover it. I absolutely have to. Yeah, and it's I funny because it looks good. more like an indie game. It doesn't I know. look like a big, big studio. I, uh, I know that was yeah. pretty disappointing to be honest. Even it's, after it's the game, it's super interesting that they're making that. But yeah, I mean, platinum is so hit or miss. They made some of the greatest yes. games of all times. And then but some also real some thinkers. pretty boring ones, yeah. Yeah, they are very yeah. hit and miss. 
So that that game scares me because I know it's going to get a ton of coverage, and then if it's not that great, and I bash on it, you know, round two. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I do hope these Brace bigger yourself. games are good. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, thanks so been, much for coming. It's been on. really it's fun been awesome. chatting with you, uh, Mark. Yeah, it's been been good to uh, yeah be in the show uh, for the first time. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for joining. Yeah. Thanks for having us, man. Adios, everyone. Thank you to the $5 patrons, 100-100, Dingo, Another Joe, Anthony A, Anthony Iodice, Aaron Solis, Ben, Blur STG, Borgi22, Brian Reboot, Brian Shiver, Bubblegum Crisis 1394, Chris Yuzafovich, Chronic Burnout 3, Cook Some Soup, Corey Mark, DES Audio, Daniel Savage, Darren Griffin, Delta Tango 6, Disco Stas Leia, DJ420, Praise It, Eric H, FCK, Full Set, Retro Shmupper, Hausu, Ilya, Kiwi, JLab, JBRPG, Jim Knockham, Joe Angelo, John Kelly, Game Boy Guru, K, K2, Kikoman589, Larage, Malaise, Mark Toms, Megadeth859, Minung, Mechelin, Mitch LY, Queen Charlene, Nathaniel Davis, and Electron Neon Dagger Games, Okla Kugels, Philip Mason, Plasmal, Portal 63, Rattlecat, Raul, Rilskeen, Riff Mason, Rolf015, Scanline City, Seesaw FW, Seven Overdose, Shane Sinsensky, SLW, The Boot Rex, The Real Ikuzo, The Dirty Screech, The Old Bensta, TRM, Sugumo, Twilight EX, and Utakaya. Thanks for watching.